Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. Alright everybody, we're driving down the road. We may have some road noise. We've been working on testing audio for the last... Uh, well, yeah, we just had to cut podcast 20 minutes short because of it. But. <laughs> How much longer of a drive do we have then? Uh, I think we have about an hour, just over an hour, hour 15. Cool. Well, we're on our way back from our turkey hunt in Oregon, and it was my first time even visiting Oregon. So we wanted to just talk about, like, the experience, I guess, yeah. overall. I, I guess one thing I want to call out is, like, Zach has a podcast voice. You think so? Yes. It Absolutely. changes. You, you changed. It's, I, I don't like yes. it. I, <laughs> I really don't like it either because I try to not change it, but I, I've noticed that I also have a podcast voice. Yeah, you just, you just like dial it down. Dial it down. Yeah. Well... Maybe the, the caffeine will eventually push through then, and it'll sneak out, I'm sure, especially if we start getting fired up about some of the mistakes that were made. Yeah. Sure get looser. So I think, like, what we talked about is what your experience from Eastern turkey hunting, well, I mean, turkey hunting in general, but just coming out West, you know, what that experience was like for you. Yeah. I mean, my expectations going into it were, to be honest, that we were just going to be in them pretty thick. Um, I, I, I thought that, you know, based off of your guys' success out here, and we're not really hunting the areas that you guys hunt all the time. So we went to a new area that only Noah has hunted. And, right, have you turkey hunted out? Stra- yeah, turkey hunted. No, yeah. Strand yeah. hunted there too, Eric yeah. Strand. Right, right. We, we hunted with and Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I'd, I'd never turkey hunted out there. But the three of us who we were primarily hunting together, the three of us, uh, it's pretty new, I guess, other than, like I said, Noah. Um, my expectation was based off the track record you guys have had this season, last season. I was like, we're just going to be in turkeys pretty much nonstop. And to be honest, I thought it was going to be like, pretty easy easy one and there's always the challenges man and I, I I think that when you're a guy that hunts Easterns and you hear about Miriams you, you always hear oh it's way easier and it, like it's not and, and we weren't necessarily hunting Miriams we were kind of hunting these hybrid turkeys and kind of even like mountain rias which was surprising to me I definitely had more of a real look than a Miriam's. But regardless, I thought that the turkeys would be gobbling a lot, which they did gobble a lot, but with that, there is still uh, some challenges. Like, I think sometimes you kind of, at least for me, when there's a lot of birds gobbling, I rush. I feel like that's a thing that happens. I don't have nearly the patience, but like when you're in an area well, where there's one bird that you, yeah no i i would agree with that i think um it is interesting you know of us kind of new to putting out turkey content uh i've hunted a long time for them but not public land it was kind of the barnyard you know backyard stuff and uh, what i've learned in the, the short two years of doing 
have a lot a lot of our viewers are Midwest or Eastern guys that jerking hunt a lot and have yeah. a lot more experience. They watch one of our videos and like, oh, you need to come hunt our birds. Right. The educated right. birds. And I think that where we're hunting, it wasn't so much pressure, but it's just like the habitat and the biology of what was going on at the time mm -hmm. made it definitely more challenging than I expected as well. Yeah, like, I thought I thought we were gonna kill three to five birds. Yeah, and I did too. Pretty easy. Yep. Yeah. And like the expectation was lots of gobbling, lots of turkeys that were gonna be alone, and birds that were gonna be easy to strike up any given point of the day. And we had good weather and the forecast was always good, but you know, one standout thing to me as far as weather goes was cold mornings, like really cold mornings, but then the same temperature as a high is what we were getting We'd have 40, throughout the season back east. 40 plus degree swing in the day. Yeah, it would be like 35 most mornings, roughly, give or take a couple degrees, I would say. No, no morning was above 40, I'm, I'm no, pretty like, sure. Yeah, I think the warmest I saw was 37, and yep. I think the coldest I saw was 30. Yeah, and the highs were mid 70s to yesterday was 82 i think yeah um, and the wind and wind and and i would say right out of the gate first thing the first morning it was like man every expectation is spot on like the birds are going to be alone they're going to be gobbling a lot they're going to be firing off to these calls like i'm i'm going into it like overconfident about my calling and being able to just like drag these birds from wherever and our first experience was we locate a bird this is our first morning we locate a bird you know just got into a position where we could hear a lot located one moved in on him got set up on the same ridge as him felt like it was just going to be your classic like he's down the ridge 150 yards we call him straight down you know on our and bring them right to us and get a shot. Well, <laughs> the first calling sequence we've been like laughing at quite a bit looking back on it. It's just like, call. And I, I mean, I just went right at it. I cut, I yelped, I was like. The first time you called, that bird lost his mind and <laughs> literally was convulsing as like he was gobbling. It was, it was yeah, like, it was like, go, go, six, go, 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 go. In one, yeah, and you didn't. I mean, you went at it, but it wasn't like anything insane. Yeah. He lost his mind. And then, next thing you know... It went from one bird to three, for sure. Yeah. And we think there was even some distant ones thrown in there. So it was like the woods kind of woke up when the calling happened. And one of the birds was across the canyon from us. And he, pretty early, you could tell he was going to work all the way around us and get himself into a position that he could get to us like he was way away from us and we figure he went probably three quarters of a mile to get to where he could come across that canyon he came down across met up with us or, or i'm sorry met up with uh, the other turkey they fought in front of us 40 yards 45 uh, anywhere from 50 to 40 yards and you know didn't have a good shot was patient with it after the fight they worked off now that, at that point now the three of them are all real close to us and keeping tabs on all of them and the specifics was kind of tough but they dropped back off the ridge and were 
us again. Got him fired back up, called one of the toms right up to us. He was spitting, drumming. I caught a couple glimpses of him. It's like one of these deals where it's like, all right, any second here, we're about to get this opportunity for a shot. And the next thing you know, one of the toms is chasing the other two birds off. There was a Jake in the mix too. I think it seemed like it was two toms and a Jake. Yes. And this is one thing that I noticed from you on this trip is gobbling Jakes. Well, yeah. Like super Jakes, right? Where yeah. That bird that actually, the first bird that showed up there was, a, he was strutting. He came out and he was like 30 yards from me, but it was a Jake. It yeah. was a five inch Jimmy Beard. <laughs> and we got like, all this action in front of us and all of a sudden they just like run away not because they're spooked it's because they're chasing each other so of course they gobble and they're further away and like well we need to make a move so we make a move and the one bird started gobbling again it was almost like he chased off the two subordinate turkeys and then he was like all right i'm gonna go back to where all the action was and, and looking back on the whole situation i think we could have just stayed where we were set up originally yeah no i i would agree with that yeah and we kind of got aggressive and again it's where the the patience thing comes into play if we would have just been a little bit more patient even even though we got up and moved so okay mistake we can say mistake one is that we should have probably never even got up mistake two was that we got too aggressive when the bird started gobbling and all of a sudden he's coming towards us and we're going towards him and we got jammed up and we weren't in a good setup and we weren't even calling at that point he was just coming back towards where we had last called from and he saw us in a less than ideal setup at about 80 yards and that was and then it was over that then our morning you know pretty much was over from there so like going into it expectation was pretty much that that we're gonna you, hear a bunch of gobbling. There's gonna be birds, a bunch of birds. What you thought could yeah. potential this be? Yeah. Yep. So it's like I'm like, okay, no worries. Like we messed that one up. We'll tighten it up and we'll end up like Laying still, yeah, shooting multiple I, turkeys. I think Noah can touch on this too. But the one thing that I that was still one of the coolest call-in experiences I think I've ever yeah ever had for one. Yeah to hear the bird off in the distance and then hear him come and, and the sound traveled so well there yeah. you know I mean ridge to ridge or across the canyon and hear him come down then he's in the bottom of the draw and you can hear him coming up gobbling then spit and drumming no you want to talk on that at all yeah I mean kind of set the scene we're on this ridge system where it's it's a big it's a big ridge top and then there's finger ridges that go down with draws in between them really for miles and so we're on this middle one and we have this bird gobbling out in front of us uh, i don't know would you guys say he's like two three hundred yards to start? I, would, I would say he was even closer than that like 150 yeah. 200 yeah. yeah and so the other birds didn't sound much further but they were on the complete next ridge over across yeah. the canyon and it's not it, it wasn't a small draw you know i mean it's a couple hundred feet on each side and pretty not super but just steep for a turkey to be able to just wrap all the way around and come and that's like i don't have obviously nearly as much turkey experience as zach or probably even cody at all and i have never had one travel the distance that that far left bird did i mean he probably did three quarters of a mile or a mile to wrap all the way around that draw to find 
find somewhere he could cross to come meet up right in front of us. And the cool part before, right when we first set up, Zach whispered to me, these turkeys are going to meet up right in front of us. Like on a completely <laughs> different hill system. Like the, it just called it right there. And then it, they literally met up 45 yards from us and fought. And it was like, it was pretty cool to see. I've never, I've never seen one called from that distance, like on that type of terrain, you know, not flat lands or rolling hill stuff. It was, it was pretty cool to see. Yeah. And I think just uh, as a Western hunter and elk experience and calling and all that, the application that Zach brought was literally looking at the map and it wasn't even so much the cover, but it was the terrain dictated yeah. how things were gonna go. And I, like, I was blown away with what you predicted and how things unfolded throughout this whole trip. Mm -hmm. That, and then, you know, my mindset is like, oh, Midwest, it's, you know, ag fields and hedgerows and it's flat. <laughs> and then you showed me some of the topography in West Virginia and it's like yeah. super tight. It's it's like smaller scale, but even more so like up and down mm -hmm. even in mm -hmm. those things. And based on your knowledge from there, you applied it out here and it was translated all the way through. And I think, mm -hmm. I think that's, one of those things that is really impressive to think those turkeys back there still a turkey even though a different subspecies yeah. still behaving a lot of the same ways mm -hmm. and i thought that was really cool the correlation it's a turkey is a turkey is a turkey right mm -hmm. which may you know i think a lot of people probably have a different mindset that that's not the case yeah well and i i think one thing that's an advantage of hunting back east and hunting like whitetails and turkeys and um, you're looking at things on like a really small scale all the time right like um, you're of a specific scale I shouldn't say a small scale like you start big and then you bring it down to like a very specific scale and uh, a very specific spot where these things are going to be because you kind of have to where when you're bugling to bulls you don't have to be as specific because like an elk can just like so much easier than we can or even so much easier than a whitetail or a turkey can just like well i'm gonna go right over there over and just that. drop yeah. several hundred feet and go straight up several hundred feet and he can do it like that where a deer or a turkey doesn't do that as often just their their range of what they actually yeah. live in is substantially exactly their, their their home range is much smaller where an elk just has so much of an easier time traveling through that type of stuff so um, I think when hunting turkeys you know one thing that I've really noticed is consistent is you kind of have to you have to be specific about where they're gonna be like you can't be off by a ridge system and like we were hunting in uh, Georgia this season and I kept making this silly mistake where was getting up high enough to hear the turkeys but I wasn't getting high enough to follow the terrain to them and I would get on an opposite ridge of them and like again even there specifically was not very steep between those finger ridges but I kept getting to where I was on the wrong one and it's a lot harder to pull a turkey down and across than it is to just pull them on that same level that you're on so like that first morning 
we spent a lot of time locating that bird and like being like, okay, he is exactly right on this ridge. How do we get on that ridge without having to drop down and get back up? Because when you drop down, then you also lose track of where that bird is because you can't hear him anymore. And I think that that really played an important role into um, us have a chance at him that day. And I guess, I guess before we get into the in-between stuff, like let's just talk about today because I think today was, um, it blew my mind today. Like the, the following the terrain, it, it, it's the same, I guess it's the same topic. So yeah. And I mean, and it was in the same Ridge it was yeah. five days later, mm-hmm. my head, I'm going, I don't know, this is big country. I, I honestly, I, the weather's different. I could see it being across the main road even, mm-hmm. you know, like yep. kind of moving out of that area. And we heard a gobble early on to kind of finally confirm, yes. Okay, he's that, in there. He's in there. And, and, the, and, and by in there, we mean like he's pretty much on the same finger ridge. Yeah, and, yeah. and this finger ridge is a longer, lower elevation finger than everything surrounding it, just to kind of paint a little bit of a picture. Yeah, and so I think, you know, here for for one, the conditions, we we both felt like today's not gonna be a big gobble day. No. The uh, barometers drop, wind, cloud cover, it's cold. It's yeah. definitely different conditions. So when we heard that gobble, it's at least confirmation that Okay, we, we are making the right move. The, the, I think the one thing that I picked up on is like your confidence as to why that bird is going to be there. And here's some specific reasons mm-hmm. of the lower ridge, mm-hmm. out of the wind. Um, he can broadcast his gobble. So all the surrounding fingers, like him being on that, like we always call it a middle ridge. It's the finger that is in between a bunch of ridges that are falling down towards it, but it's still like below it. We call it a middle ridge or the stadium is the stadium. We started calling it a stadium bed because deer bed on that same type of topography, I guess, where from that spot, you're standing on that little ridge or that little finger and you can look around you 360 degrees and everything else is above you. So if you think about it from the standpoint of like, if you're a deer bedded, to start, we'll use that as an example. A deer bedded there on a calm day, especially in crunchy conditions, if anybody tries to drop down to that ridge, he's got plenty of time to one, hear them, two, see them, and then also escape because by the time you drop in there, hit the bottom, and then come back up on that middle ridge that he's on or that stadium bed ridge that he's on, he's already able to drop to the other side and he's already ahead of you getting out the back door same thing with the turkey but the other added reason that a turkey would be there is he can gobble from that location and he's sending that gobble to all those finger ridges around him and all the hens that may be roosted or just cruising through that area can hear him down there on top of that as well in this situation it was way down and out of the wind where the day that we hunted in this area prior on day one, the conditions were way different. It was really calm. It was just a much more cool, or it was a cool morning, crisp morning. The pressure, the barometric pressure was probably higher. I mean, we don't have any 
any backing on that other than just that that it was just that feel good morning. It's like, man, they're gonna be gobbling today. It was calm. It felt like a morning in September that the bulls are gonna be screaming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just good and, and, and it would be a morning like in the whitetail woods too, where you would expect bucks to be cruising. It just had that good feel. And therefore the birds were gobbling. They came up instead of dropping lower in elevation. Like today, they would drop low to get out of the wind. And I think that from the beginning, my gut was like, that's probably where they're gonna be. We just want that gobble for confirmation. So we, we located it with one gobble and it's like, let's get on that ridge. Cause he's not gonna gobble much today. Scarecrow. Scarecrow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which we'll talk about that in a minute too, because that's one, one major thing that coming away from this hunt uh, helped us out a lot is a locator call but we located him with um, Cody's raven raven call is that what you would call it a yeah, raven yeah call? I would say Kinda raven, sound yeah, like a raven. it's not a crow it's, it's more of that raven sound but, and, it, yeah. and it got him to gobble when he wasn't got even gobbling on his own so we moved in on the ridge kept moving kind of slow once we felt like we, we kind of well we were, we were getting close to where we had uh, saw him the day we were in there prior heard him down there gobble on his own and it just seemed like he had a hen the way he was acting he would not gobble for long periods of time like 20 minutes and then he would just gobble two times and then that was it again for 10 minutes and then he'd gobble once and that was it for another five or whatever it just was not a very consistent gobble like a turkey that that was alone that definitely i i picked that up just on how just behavior of the gobble you're saying he's he's on a hen yeah and now after you say that it makes a lot more sense in other situations that i'm like that bird is on it you know mm -hmm. i've had that understanding now going oh okay that makes more sense i i could be completely full of it like this might be just a theory that is not true but it's something that i kind of i would say seen fairly consistently like like if you've got a calm day or a calm day where the weather's good and it's nice and sunny and bright it seems like the turkeys gobble more but it also seems like maybe those hens are just having like a natural feeling of like, ah, oh, I should probably get ready. I go work on my nest or go visit the nesting area. And they kind of split off from the toms. And maybe that's a little bit of why those toms are alone and gobbling more, but on those cold mornings, I wonder if there's something that like, uh, in their head is like, or instinct in general, like I need to go feed. And I, I feel like it's, they're quicker to group up on a calm, uh, cool, day so like a day that if it's been like even in the east let's say you've had like 45 and sunny 45 and sunny 45 and sunny and then all of a sudden it like in the morning it's like 35 and cloudy and windy the gobbling usually is much lower not only because of pressure but i also feel like the turkeys just group up better those days like they just jump into groups and a lot of times when you do find the tom he's strutting around hens and it is like pretty consistent and I, I just you know again gut feeling past experience i don't other than that it's just like that's kind of the the best answer for why i felt that way and then also the consistency of the gobbling it seemed like she would maybe get away from him just a little bit and he would be like gobble gobble come back here like i want you over here 
I'm here, get over here. And then once we started cutting that distance and started to drop even lower and lower closer, we eventually heard the hen. So that's confirmation now that he's at least got one hen down there. And man, we couldn't get him to gobble. Like he would not gobble. No, he, he wouldn't shock, wouldn't, yeah. Yelp, you yelped a few times. And I think he was, that last time you set up and yelped, he, you think, think he's think, close enough to hear it. Yeah, it wasn't that far and it wasn't that loud with the wind at the time, but. So it eventually then, and we're on our way back so I can catch a flight right now. So like, we're kind of on a time crunch this morning. <laughs> we, no and I even talked like that last little bit, like, can we push it to 815? Yeah, 45 minutes probably to get out of here. Like, Walk we, back to the truck and we yeah. were trying to drive away from the spot at nine. And yeah. We were, we were about there. We were about 9.20 by the time we pulled out, by the time I got my stuff repacked. But we, <laughs> I remember just being like, I think we need to get more aggressive. And you're like, yeah, let's get more aggressive because we're running low on time. So we keep moving, trying to locate him, trying to yelp, whatever. But now it's also like crunch time to where we're trying to walk, work the backside of the ridge and get him spotted even just like I, I was listening for drumming a lot listening for the hen obviously this always listening for gobbles but like not expecting him to do it because the gobbling at this point has shut off and I started getting real that like bird dog feel I was like man he is here he is somewhere right here I started finding more sign the ridge started flattening out and I rolled the GoPro because like my gut was telling me I'm about to see this thing I'm about to on one of these pop pop up and over and see him and he's probably gonna be dang near in range if not in range and sure enough just hit a spot that was like tucked out of the wind just enough and I, I really felt like he was gonna be there and I stood up right at the crest I used I crawled up behind a tree stood up slowly behind that tree first got up on my knees and peeked over didn't see anything slowly slid up to the tree and I looked and I looked to the right I looked to the left typically I glass and I didn't and that was kind of lazy on my part because I might have been able to spot him sooner but I was kind of looking around and I was kind of planning my next move and again I'm starting to get rushed because we just don't have a lot of time but luckily before I moved I I looked at my map looked ahead to where I could see what the next like target was to pop up and look over and as I'm doing my last scan I look down and 25 yards away is this head sticking up and he's looking at me but his head is through some brush and I can tell that he doesn't quite know what's going on but he also isn't like fired up like his head has changed completely gray um, he's got that gray and blue look to him and his head's all red not white and, and you know, in that breeding uh, look about him. And I know he's close enough for a shot. And I'm just like, man, I don't know that I'm gonna be able to pull this off. I gotta get my gun up and also get him out of that brush. Like he's gotta be in a more clear spot or I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hit him. I'm just gonna get my pattern sprayed by that brush. And he did exactly what I needed him to do. He came out on the backside. I think from his perspective, he was like, 
I, I can tell there's something wrong there, but I don't know what it is. I need to get a better look. And by getting that better look, he did what I wanted him to do too. And that was just to put his head out into the wide open. And I slowly raised the gun when he went behind a tree, got my gun up, he popped into the open. And I, I remember thinking to myself, man, your gun moved quite a bit right there. Like you better settle in. <laughs> and I, I, I took like an extra second to settle in. And I think when I pulled the trigger, man, I just yanked it. And I was straight whiffed that son. And he, he flew all the way across that canyon. I watched him fly all the way up there, land, and stand on the other hillside and look back like, what the hell is that? What, what just happened? Yeah, and I, man, we're getting a lot of rain right yeah, now. So sorry if you're boring. hearing that. But um, yeah, that was that was kind of the end of, of the trip. But in between, I guess, I guess some of the, the things. What are your takeaways from uh, this trip? Uh, you know, going looking at it again. If you, if you come back when you come back out, you're not here yeah. because that, that will yeah. happen. I'm coming uh, back. <laughs> what what was it that stuck out to you? Of maybe misconceptions of what you thought. And then also, what what did you learn in, in, from here? One thing that I know happens to me, um, and it's something I've learned I learned a while ago, but it always slips, is never take a play off. Like that very first morning, we should have killed one of those turkeys, um, and and part of it was just like not not keeping it tight, like not making every single step count every single move you make you got to make it count because as soon as like you think you've got it in the bag like and we even had other opportunities and we did we did end up killing a turkey um in the middle of the trip like we used day one and then the last day to just kind of talk about some topography stuff and some strategy behind that and how conditions can change the way the turkeys act but we did end up getting one um, middle of the trip, but I I personally didn't shoot one. Noah shot the turkey. We had to do the old switcheroo from cameraman to to um, shooter, which I mean, I, by all means, was like so fun. I'm super fired up about it. That's a success. Like this trip was successful because we did kill a tom. I personally didn't shoot one, and I feel like the main reason was is. You know, today aside with the miss, there was some other opportunities that we let slip away because we just, I feel like I personally took it for granted. I, I took for granted that, oh, we're in an area where there's less hunting pressure. These birds are going to be gobbling and, you know, you throw different factors this into the mix. This going to be easy. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. And, and, and a little bit, it really was a little bit of that. And I also think that you throw a couple of factors into the mix. Like we spent a lot of time chasing gobbling Jake's, um, you know, we, we honestly wasted like a couple mornings straight up mornings. Like that's the like most prime. brutal. Yeah. That's yeah. the most brutal part to me. And that's a factor that like, you can't really like, I don't know that there's a guy out there that would have been like, Oh yeah, those are for sure. Jake's it like, sounded and there was enough of them when the three gobbled or the four gobbled. Yeah, it, it sounded, sounded like, like Longbeard and maybe a Jake. Yeah, but instead it was just a pack of Jakes, a gang of Jakes, gang of Jakes doing Jake things. <laughs> and we, you know, we spent time doing that. 
you know, in a different situation that we didn't deal with necessarily, but you could deal with. Like, let's say that your day one was that. What would we described our day one as? You know, you felt like there were some mistakes that you made, you could have done some things differently, slipped through the cracks, you didn't get one killed. Let's say you hit like four more days of bad weather, it just poured rain. I mean, that's totally a realistic uh, thing that could happen on a hunting trip. Especially so, in that country this time of year. Yeah, and, and, and that could go for deer, that could go for elk, it go, could go for anything. Don't, on day one, if you get an opportunity, do not let it slip by. Don't pass something on day one that you would want to shoot on the last day because if that's the case you're cursed like you're gonna you're you've, you've buried yourself and I, I i do believe there's a little bit of truth to that like if you start getting too lax out there you're gonna pay for it later and i just feel like there was a couple times where it started playing out and i was like this is gonna this is gonna be one of those ones that slips away i think because there's some missed opportunities and um you know, like I said, the, the Jake's was a was a factor that we spent a bunch of time on. There was also a lot of wind, which, you know, during the middle of the day made it difficult to strike something up. And, and then, to be honest, like the birds just didn't gobble quite as much as we had anticipated. We didn't strike up a bunch of turkeys midday no, a couple times. Or the, even, or even the cruising for roost type stuff. Yeah. I mean, we didn't uh, get birds roosted. Yeah, yeah we weren't we, getting birds roosted necessarily. We a, a roosted a couple different times yeah yeah uh, spent some mornings doing that too but i like here's my my biggest takeaway of watching you operate in our country um terrain dictate dictates your strategy going after that bird Mm -hmm. as much as i've i've and eric and i talk lengthy about a lot of times you hear a gobble i just go straight at it yeah Uh, and i after watching and understanding and then seeing what you're saying happen you know getting for position of the high ground for one to locate in the morning because then you can really pinpoint where if you're below them and they're above you gobbling it's like yeah he's up in there but you don't know exactly where he's at where if you're above him you can really get a dialed in yeah. pinpoint on it um, and then you can get on that same terrain feature easily. Exactly. Yeah. And then on two is, you know, when they have the high ground and you set up below them, they call or you call when they come in and they do the peak over the rise mm-hmm. that may be at 60 or 80 yards, depending yeah. on the terrain. And they're going to stand up there and look It's and go, I should see something. And that's the hung up, right? Yes. That's the bird that's hung up. Well, they... They visually can see where that sound came from. They're not going to come any closer in that sense. And so that was a big thing of, okay, let's get the position. We used the scarecrow to make some of those birds gobble so we could really pinpoint, you know, because of that, on this particular, the bird that we killed, it wasn't, we couldn't get above him at that point. Yeah. But we wanted to know where he was. So then we, in the last little bit, we could yeah. circle around. Um, the other thing was like no quit i that bird's gobbling <laughs> yeah like i'm going at it until it puts you know right. busted or something like yep. that where, so we either get him or we know that it's, it's good and over yeah and uh, i apply that in elk hunting so uh-huh. you 
never never walk away from a bugling bull and you never walked away from a gobbling turkey and, and i you know i think that was a really cool correlation to see happen and then like confidence and desire and drive i've experienced this when i hunted with south cox mule deer hunting yep glassing buck drops over the ridge it's 2,000 feet down there it's thick i'm like there's no way we're gonna turn that buck up he's like oh yeah absolutely go get it yeah. and find it and i've watched it time and time again and so i think this is like the the woodsmanship correlation species to species state to state whatever it is like if there is a slight opportunity go exploit that till the bitter end mm -hmm. and then move on like okay there's i mean it's pretty easy to be like oh there's probably easier ones out there let's go look for the easier one but yeah it's like you almost got like more fired up that it's like this is hard this is going to be harder and i'm going after that and i'm going to accomplish it so that was pretty cool to see your mindset and your behavior attitude about that it was really uh pretty positive on that side of it the the ones that are and and everybody myself included when turkey hunting wants the one that is like gobbling like crazy and responds to every call you know you can get anywhere from you know 100 to 400 yards from him set up get a good clean setup he comes in strutting gobbling and you shoot him at 20 yards but and, and there's something to be said with the strat like you can always um, be proud of that hunt because to actually get the bird killed still takes a lot of um, skill you know hunting skill woodsmanship skill like knowing when to move knowing when to like um, take the shot knowing when to move the gun and not get caught don't get me wrong I'm not taking anything away from that but the ones that are penned up or the ones that are being kind of weirdos and uh, moving in weird ways and, and not responding like sometimes those are the ones that teach you more about hunting in general than just the ones that come screaming down the gun barrel and I think that's the part about those that I really like is when when it's all said and done and you shoot that turkey I feel like you can really look back and say man there are a lot of things that I learned from this experience like when like when to move when to start cutting more distance when to uh, stop and listen for him drumming or scratching or whatever it may be and, and those are the ones you really I think learn a lot about the woods from so I, I do really enjoy um, those type of hunts and we definitely we definitely had some days or two mornings where we spent on a hen up turkey a turkey that we straight up knew had a hen and we we still tried for him because it was a really good lead obviously like we knew it was a long beard we we got eyes on him multiple times but just couldn't get a shot at adam and spent time doing it and you know man i i don't regret those because we we put a lot of effort into that and um felt like we made a lot of moves that were close but looking back on it there were things that we could have done differently and i think this trip as well as a lot of other trips and a lot of other individual hunts, a lesson that I learned is go with your gut. Never doubt your gut. If you have a gut feeling, 
go for it. Because the times when we made mistakes, we always talked about, man, our gut was to do this and we didn't. And I think that that's a thing that, you're always gonna make that mistake, I think. I think when you make the mistake, it's a lot of times that you didn't go with your gut, honestly. And my dad says that all the time, man. My dad is like such a go with your gut guy. And when I was younger, I was like, whatever, man, like go with your gut, that doesn't always work. Well, if you get, the more experience you get, the more that your gut is just right, I guess. Accurate, yeah. No, I Um, I think, and, and two, I think a lot of times you get into that and then you don't trust your gut, then you don't make a decision or when you finally do, it's a hesitant decision. I think that's, you know, we talked about this, like you talked about your buddy Ben about if you make a competent decision and it's a mistake, like no fault at all. Like Mm -hmm. that was a decision, you made it, you acted on it, no worries. But when you delay or drag your feet and hesitate and then something if you would have made a decision left or right, either one could have been right, but now all of a sudden that's the wrong decision. Right. Because you, you, because you really didn't make the decision. You just hesitated. Yeah, and like, yeah. Hesitation is bad. If you and, and you know, the one morning we hunted that penned up bird. So we, we, we had a pattern on them. So like we knew based off the morning prior and the first night that we heard them, because we found them in an evening, we hunted them in a morning, got really close to him right off the roost, made a move on him, got really, really close on that move, and then just kind of lost track of him or bumped him, we're not really sure. But then the next morning, or the, I guess the next night, or that night after we hunted him in the morning, so night two on them, we roost him. Morning two, we go in, and deep down, the gut was like, get to where they spent a good chunk of their like get really tight to where they're roosted and get to where they spent a good chunk of their morning and we'd found sign there that told us they were when you know later in the morning the morning prior found a bunch of sign telling us like they're spending time here and the gut was get there but we we didn't make the decision we hesitated and we sat back and like then we lost them they they went and did something else but had we just got to where our gut was telling us we would have been not saying we would have for sure got the turkeys but we absolutely would have been closer Close to being to in the game yeah. and like we weren't terribly far from them but by the time we got there it was too late we needed to be there way earlier so that way they were coming to us not us trying to go to them and then asking you know sitting there scratching our heads like how did they slip out of here well they slipped out of here because we weren't there when we needed to be and, it, yeah. and that was a situation where we definitely sat back what no what do you think is yeah. just as far as takeaways being in the woods with Zach and watching him how he correlated turkey hunting out here what would what would yeah what did I would you say, notice I don't know we've we've chased turkeys a good bit and there were some things that like knowledge based or not I had preconceived ideas of setups that did and didn't work just from past experience whether or not they were right you know and I would say overall this trip our best setups successful or not came from being quick and getting on those birds, but also taking the five to 10 minutes to hear him gobble a couple times, really try to pinpoint where he's at, and then reading into the best way to get there and how our, our calling scenario is gonna be the most the most successful. And I think we talked about earlier how, you know, it's hard when they're gobbling not to just go straight in there, you know? And, and there's a lot more going into it than just coming downhill on them. But our 
our best setups and when we did kill that one bird that was like of this trip that was the one bird gobbling that seemed the most unattainable as we were chasing it <laughs> yeah i would say like just it seemed like he was moving away from us no matter how much ground we covered and i don't know how we ended up hearing that bird the first time from a mile plus away just mm -hmm. i think it was i did a straight line it was like 1.1 1 .1 or 1.2 miles yeah just something crazy and that's not counting all the you know the meandering and up and down we did to get over there and then once we got tight on him and it actually paid off that bird either stopped or we had finally figured out exactly where we where he was we then took you know five to ten minutes to wait for him to torch off again and then rather than you know it being noon or one o'clock or whatever it was and we were tired and beat from chasing that bird instead of just going right up to him you know where it could have been super easy to make that lazy decision we went up around the ridge set up level with him and it was it was just perfect and so yeah i think the biggest takeaway would be taking that five to ten minutes to really read your maps get that bird to torch off again and and really figure out the best game plan and then in the end you're more efficient getting to him if you if you take that time beforehand you know exactly what you have to do rather than just kind of guessing along the way yeah and i the one thing other thing i picked up it's like okay you lose a gobble right well where's the closest high point that we can get to yeah yeah let's climb up there sit down yelp a few times scarecrow yeah sit silent and several times did that throughout the trip we were in an area that had a ton of sign that's like there's there are turkeys here climb up hear a gobble sweet we're back in the game here we go again and you know off off and running um, i think a way to make that more appealing too is like you know use your topo map find that spot and go up there and just chill out man like get a, in a decent little setup where if you fall asleep no big deal where if you call one in and he comes in silent you're you still got enough cover like take a little bit of time to like be in a pretty decent spot not sleeping in the road in the sun yeah yeah, the, yeah. The dirt yeah. Bank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah we came I, I walked nature had called me so i i went and answered and i came back and <laughs> we were like at this really really good spot to hear one which is actually where we heard the bird yeah, that Noah killed. And <laughs> these guys were asleep in the road. And oh, like, I think it was we should. So comfy too. It was like <laughs> in the sun. You know, the three thirty a.m. and wake oh, up yeah. and going to bed at eleven. It wears yeah, on a guy. So absolutely. you know, there's nothing wrong with a little eleven we were, nap. Right, and, I, and we I just was like, I think we should just slip up here to these trees. That way, if something comes up to this spot and we're asleep. And he happens to gobble. Maybe he'll wake us up. But everybody, we're all like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's probably the decision. <laughs> we were, we were kind of defeated at that point. Like we had, we that bird that we hunted off the roost kind of gave us a runaround all morning. Yeah. We're honestly like kind of on our way out back to camp, and we were just like, well, we better stop and, and sound check the spot. And we heard a bird, and we ended up. We think we bumped him, uh, yeah. and that's how we ended up getting onto the next one. Is we're like, all right, well, we're here. Let's just climb this hill. Yeah. Me and Cody laid down while Zach was answering nature and, 
and it was super comfy and we were just like all right let's just hang out here for a bit more because we were tired and it was just happened to be a good spot too uh, fell asleep in the road he comes back it's like let's just tuck into the trees a little bit <laughs> i instantly like fell asleep and yeah and i just remember i was like i heard yeah we should probably get back in the trees and yeah, that's probably the right thing. <laughs> but like, I did not. I'll deep down, I did not want to move because it yeah. was so cozy. When I got all cozied up in the trees, once we moved again, I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is good. I open up a crumbled up pop tart and start drinking it. And then as soon as I get all settled in, Zach hears one 74 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> and then we chase that one for the rest of the afternoon. I, I feel like we should talk about like a little bit of detail on that one real quick. like. The thing that was so interesting about that turkey, and like we're totally split, we, we can't decide 50-50 if that turkey was on the move the entire time or if he just never sounded any closer because we were on a bench, like a really flat bench below the ridge that he was on. Like, I, I almost feel like we all are maybe even more than more than 50% now leaning towards that he was up there the whole time. Yeah, it, it was. And that was one of those things. It's like, we could give up. Yeah. We didn't have anything else to go. It was midday. Oh yeah, I it was mean, straight up midday. It was yeah, like probably I, 11 to noon where we were making that big run. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, you know, the gobble kept happening. And it, the cool thing there, and uh, this was one that like, I thought was pretty cool. And, and you would turn, it's like, hit the scarecrow, hit yeah. the scarecrow because we could locate him without starting the calling yeah. sequence because we were not in a good and that, position. And, and that's what I, I was gonna kind of play off of with this, why we should talk about more detail. The one major um, thing that, a, a factor that was always present in this hunt is we had a different locator. And I am kind of a stubborn punk and don't, use locator when I was younger and maybe you've heard if you listen to podcasts and videos and stuff you've maybe heard me talk about this before when I was younger man you know you'd pull into public land and it was just like a hoot fest it was like buddies over here hooting this guy rolls up drives by hooting one guy never even gets out of his car he's hooting and like I would go out scouting prior to season and turkeys would be just like lighting it up gobbling at everything and actually gobbling at owls but then as soon as people start popping gravel and you know gobbling around the woods making noise like next thing you know they are not gobbling at an owl especially one that's hollow from a you know somebody's cheap owl hooter <laughs> yeah and i just was like man i don't like that and crow calls you know i never felt like i had mastered a crow call and i generally just let nature kind of be my locator a pileated woodpecker or a crow or a raven or whatever it may be which i i did pick up on that is you every time you heard a yeah. woodpecker instantly stop like in his tracks yeah yeah listen and a lot of times we heard gobbles yeah. based on that today you know heard that and so that was another definite lesson learned it's like maybe you don't have to force it at times but at the other on the other hand cody and Eric had both like taken the time to learn how to blow a goose call in a way that sounds like a raven, kind of that. And I, I 
never heard that before. I mean, I've, I've heard the Ravens do it themselves, but I'd never heard somebody make that call. And man, those turkeys would gobble at it. And like, it was crazy. They, they would even like stop gobbling on their own, but they would respond to that because it, it was sharp. It was it pierced the, the air, the sound cut, but also it's a realistic sound. And I'm, I'm big on that. Um, not everybody is, and, and, and don't get me wrong, man. You can go out there and you can rip any sound. You, everybody's still, heard the. Uh, uh, before the scene's over, I'm gonna take my bugle out. And oh yeah, it'll work. Like, <laughs> it'll work. Transcal call yeah, in California. Tra- tra- <laughs> when, they, when we were in California, they didn't have a locator, and he's like, "Well, he had his vinyl harness, his cow calls on it." Yeah. And so and so that, you know, I guess my opinion on it is. You don't want to give away that, like, this is something other than what right. is reality. I don't want to, like, I don't want to spook that turkey in any way either. Like, I don't want him to be like, what was that? Like, I, I gobbled at it, but, like, ah. Like, everybody's heard that turkey gobbled. That's, like, he almost, you can tell he wishes he could pull it back. He's like, accident, you know? Like, that was a total accident. Like, and then, and then they go, I've heard him go silent off of, like, bad locators, too. Some of that has definitely relates to pressure. Yeah, like yeah. hunting pressure is where where you hear <laughs> where you hear that, but but because this sounded like a raven and it was like a realistic sound, it worked, and I 100% will have a locator. I, I, I'm gonna master a crow call because the crow, there's just more crows back east where I hunt a lot throughout the season. I'm gonna master a crow call. I might. I have no interest in calling a goose, but dude, if I could get to where I could make a goose call that sounded real, I think that's also a abnormal and non-threatening sound that turkeys hear in the woods and they'll, they'll gobble to it. Yeah. So I'm going to get a locator because it helped in ways where, so like, I really think that if I was by myself, I would have had a little bit harder time killing that turkey that we did. And the reason is, is because I don't have a locator. The only thing I can do is a owl hoot that works at best 4% of the time that I try it, you know? Uh, I don't think it's unrealistic, but for whatever reason, it, it, I just can't get them to gobble that often to it. It works sometimes, but most of the time it doesn't. And middle of the day, I don't really want to just owl hoot necessarily, but when we were making that final approach, we finally like now have pinpointed this turkey that we ultimately ended up get, getting. And he was got, he, it sounded like it was one for the majority of the time until the yeah. very end when we got really, really close. And we knew that it was probably somewhere on this ridge that we were working up, but we were coming up from below the turkey. The mountain was just big enough that it, it was gonna take a lot of work to actually get way up and above the turkey and come down on it. So we were kind of working the backside of the finger and trying to get above it, but to make sure we knew exactly where this thing was as we closed in, Cody would hit the, the raven scarecrow and he would gobble to it. And that's when we decided, okay, this is exactly how far up this ridge we need to get to get above these turkeys and like, we went sun in there yeah and sun come up we got right to the point where we needed to we set up and they gobbled they got actually gobbled to the scarecrow and that in a, in a weird way like almost fired them back up yeah like when they gobbled to that then they just kept gobbling on their own and we were able to like make that final play 
really easily, but they had been gobbling for like an hour. And then all of a sudden they kind of shut it down. But then when we got close and got, got them to gobble, they kept going enough for us to make a setup. And then it was a pretty easy call in, like didn't get overly fancy with it. But as soon as they responded, I got on them hard and then just dropped it off and let them come to us. And this, this was actually really fun. It just got like super, super wild because they were coming right down the pipe. Like they were doing exactly what we wanted them to. And they were just behind some trees at 30 yards. Could hear the drumming. They would double gobble. So now you can tell there's two birds. And all of a sudden they start to cut up to our right and I'm shifting with them. And I only, I end up seeing a Jake I only can get a shot at the Jake. I can hear the drumming. I know the Tom's right there and they just continue to go up and around us. And by the time they're, by the time I get eyes on them and realize that, you know, I can see the Tom, I can't get my gun all the way up there. And I needed them to do something else. They were just kind of stuck in one spot and they had too easy of a view of us for us to like make a good, a good move and get on the gun on them. They finally move further to the right though, which means now I'm basically pointing directly behind where I was initially facing. And I can't like move the gun anymore though to get on that turkey because Noah's right behind me. So we do this like crazy switcheroo while the birds are at like, I don't know, 15, 20 yards. <laughs> Noah gets the gun. He gets it on from his left shoulder to his right shoulder. I take the camera with my left hand, pin it, the monopod against the tree, all while the turkeys are just like bobbing behind these trees. I keep yelping just to keep them interested long enough because they like are just starting to get a little bit of nervous because there is a heck of a lot of movement right there. And I just, just give them a little bit of to try to get them to stay. And they, that held them up just long enough that they eventually popped out behind the tree. Noah gets shot, knocks down. The first ever beardless Tom I've ever seen. Non-typical. Non-typical, completely non-typical. <laughs> and, and like we could tell the whole the time. time. Yeah, the, yeah, the whole time. Full fan. The whole time I'd see his full fan, I'd be like, where's the beard? I like, I just don't see the beard. But in Oregon, it's a male turkey. So like completely legal, wasn't worried about that, but I just, could not believe I wasn't seeing a beard and I like kept looking I'm like well that's a full fan like I, that's a you know that's a tom upon you know getting up to him he has a completely full fan his wing feathers are completely you know full showing that he's a mature turkey he's got mature tom spurs but he has zero beard there's like just this weird little I don't even know. Like, <laughs> it's a weird looking thing. But it's just it like was, a. It's a protrusion of the skin. I mean, it was like. Uh, like a war. Not a war. You know like, what it, it, you know what it kind of was like? It was kind of like a, a dried up marshmallow. Yeah. It's kind of what yeah. it felt like. And it was that color, too. <laughs> it really was. It's pretty it, accurate. It was kind of soft. And, but it, it, you know, it was like what looks like where a beard would start, but there was just, there was straight up no beard feather particle coming out of there at all. Very strange, but yeah, absolutely a mature ask, turkey. Uh, who's the Chamberlain. Turkey? Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna probably send him pictures. I, that's why I, I was taking so many pictures, I'm gonna send it to him and be like, what's the deal with this? 
never seen anything like that. But, you know, I guess the, uh, the, the, the overall experience going to a new area, being in a state that I've never even been to was amazing. I can't like, can't stress that enough. I had a blast. It was an awesome time. Learned a lot. Learned about hunting turkeys in different areas. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's still turkey hunting, but never, ever, ever let anybody tell you that turkey hunting out west is just going to be easier. There's always going to be challenges. If you're not physically in shape, elevation will kick your butt off to like, you know, you'd be walking up a hill and then you're trying to catch your breath to call and you're like choking on your call <laughs> like yeah there, there's aspects of it feet. yeah there's gonna be aspects of it that you know it's gonna be a fun challenge so don't go into it thinking that this is gonna be easy because all of a sudden at the end of your five to seven to ten day trip whatever you make out of it if you take some plays off you may end up without you know getting your opportunity and yeah, I can't thank these guys enough for letting me just eat all their food. And I rolled, I literally flew in with my backpacking backpack that I used for like backpacking out in elk hunting with the stuff in it that I would go elk hunting with minus any food, my turkey vest and my computer and a camera. Yeah, the only regret I have out of this trip is not icing you. <laughs> Man, really dropped oh, the ball on that hilarious. one. Oh, it's such a funny thing. When it, the the pack that I am using, Cody gave it to me, and when he gave it to me, I was like, I could hear a liquid in there, and I'm like, what is this? And then all of a sudden, I pull it out, and it's a Smirnoff ice, and I had to, do, I I did it. I chugged it right down. Yeah. It was pretty hilarious. That was a great. When that happened, I knew that... Uh, Did we just become best friends? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I knew it was going to be a good time hunting with Cody from then on out. But, yeah. I I guess, other than that, I don't know if there's... I mean, I'm sure there's, ton, there's tons of yeah, like minute I, details we could I, dive into. I think but. one thing like I want to talk about, um, and this was, you know, like I said, I'm relatively new to the travel turkey hunting in different regions. And talking to you and then seeing what you correlated hunting east to west like i think the coolest thing about turkey hunting is a turkey is a turkey is a turkey mm -hmm. it just depends like the habitat you get at hunt and there's so yep. many different ways styles however you want to go kill them like get out there go do it yep. there's tons of public land there's plenty of opportunity and i think it really, to me, has been eye-opening of like how much turkey hunting can sharpen your woodsmanship that can carry over to different species, no matter what. Mm -hmm. You're hunting a bird, but it's there's a lot of similarities and lessons that you can learn in the turkey woods and translate to anything. So I know a lot of guys that maybe listen to our podcast or consume our content or you know, mainly in that elk scene, mm -hmm. and they look down upon turkey hunting because you know around here you see them in someone's aunt sally's driveway yeah, and all yeah. that and you're like oh they're the stupidest things right 
you put strap on a pair of boots, you go hit public land and you get humbled a couple times <laughs> and your opinion will change. <laughs> and I think like, it'll hook you. Yeah. I mean, it's bulls of the spring, man. Yep. Yep. I can't, I, I, I I'm, I'm going to carry that one. Every time. Dude, Every I, time. I, I mean, I know that will never change people's minds like everybody's minds some people will buy into it and trust it but like i'm telling you i wouldn't be the hunter that i am for white tails or elk or anything if it wasn't for turkey like you take turkey hunting experience away from my overall hunting experience i i'm i'm half the hunter straight up half i would say half the hunter honestly my entire like deer hunting strategy my entire elk hunting strategy not entire elk hunting strategy you know i but well I should, I, yes and no like it all plays back into you tap into those experiences a lot of the mistakes that i've made elk hunting or deer hunting i can honestly say hey i can relate a turkey hunting experience to this and i should have known from the mistakes i've made turkey hunting to not make that mistake or I did learn from that turkey hunting mistake and then put that into a deer or turkey hunting situation and became successful in those other hunting situations, if that if that makes yep, sense. Slow down. But, yeah. Just don't yeah, don't underestimate the and regardless of what how serious you are about improving your skills, like pure fun, man. It's just pure fun. Turkey goblin in your face, that's fun. And I don't know. I, I shake just as, yeah, the drumming. You, <laughs> you kid me, son. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Isn't it crazy, though? Like, you'd think, yeah. you'd seriously think, like, man, this guy is, I, I, we were talking about it. I've hunted turkeys for probably 22 years. And I shot at that turkey today, and my leg was straight up just shaking like a leaf. Like, yeah. no, no BS. Like, my leg is shaking bad. And it's just, it gets me excited. And I think that if you allow it to, turkey hunting can get you just as excited and just get you just as much experience as hunting anything else so yeah i think with that i gotta get to on this plane here yeah soon. we're pulling up <laughs> to the terminal so <laughs> all right well thanks for listening everybody appreciate you